Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to edition of the podcast. Tell Craig your story. Today we'll be listening to Jack Steed. Now, Jack Steed, uh, he won the scholarship from the Australian government, which has allowed him to travel all through Asia. We met in a bar in Shanghai, the famous Camel Bar, and he was telling me about all these amazing stories. Now, Jack is only 21 years old, and he's done so much, and he has the world at his oyster, and he has a great future ahead of him. All right, but before we go, please go on... Please go to our Facebook page. We are also on YouTube, Spotify, and we have a link there that allows you to find out where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. All right, here we go. Jack Steed on Tell Craig Your Story. Hey, Jack, how are you doing? Thanks for your time today. G'day, Craig. Yeah, really good. I've just got up here in Singapore, had a coffee, and, and looking forward to speaking to you. Thank you. That's great. Let's start it off straight away by, by telling everybody, how did we meet? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very random, that's for sure, two Australians meeting in China. Yes, we met at the uh, you know, almost famous cultural camel bar in, in Shanghai. Yeah, we sure did. That was my second home when I was in Shanghai because obviously <laughs> the internet connection and so on wasn't the best and I had to watch the, the NRL and all the sports. So if I wasn't studying or, or spending time with my host family, I was at the camel watching sport or playing pool. Yeah, right. It's, it's interesting because a lot, a lot of the people there at that camel bar were watching the AFL, but I actually had somebody to sit next to to watch the NRL. So it was actually good, good there. So, uh, Jack, tell me about uh, your story. I've, I've done a bit of research on you, as I do with all my, all my guests. So let me just go through a couple of things that I, I've done on my research. And you just tell me if it's yay or nay, true or false. All right. Uh, so, a graduate at Brisbane Waters Secondary College. Uh, that, and that's true. And I do believe that you were in the 90 percentile for HSC? Uh, yeah, I studied a lot. I got a pretty strict mum, so I was studying hard during those final years. Um, All right. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. I will get to your family a bit later on in the conversation. Colombo Scholarship from the Australian Government. That's an amazing achievement. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest achievements in my life. So that's actually why I'm here in Singapore and why I was in China. I'm, I'm over here... Um, on a scholarship with the Australian government, um, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that later on. It's really interesting yeah, sure. what the government's doing and, and how they're helping young people improve relationships within the Indo-Pacific and Asia-Pacific region. That's amazing. That, that is something that should be pushed uh, a lot more, in my opinion. Uh, you have a business, a uh, uh, Bachelor's of Business and Commerce at the Newcastle University, come on, Nui. You also uh, were at the Chinese Hong Kong University as well. Yeah, uh, and you've also been a part of uh, the Royal Ancient Golf Club. And uh, in the future, you'll be going to the uh, Tokyo Olympics in, in uh, this year. Unfortunately, that one's not true anymore. Um, as you can tell, due to the coronavirus, there's been a lot of um, dramas and problems with travel and the amount of people they want in areas and so on. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, that's a no-go anymore. But I'm going to keep practicing my Mandarin and hopefully... 2022 Beijing Olymp- uh, Winter Olympics, I'll be able to work on that one. Oh, that's amazing. So, so let's talk about the, the coronavirus uh, while we're here. Huge news, obviously worldwide, and, and I'm the same. I've actually, I'm, I'm back in Newcastle now. Um, my, my business has, has shut down in Shanghai uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, for me to come back to Australia, it was, you know, a, a little difficult. But I can understand where the government's coming from. So tell me what it's been like for you, uh, also in Asia as well, with the coronavirus. Well, to be honest, I think the coronavirus is following me. So oh, I, was no. really lucky. <laughs> I was really lucky. I, I actually left China uh, the middle of December last year. And right. pretty much as soon as I got home, um, the whole thing went, yeah, went big sort of thing. And then I was in Australia. I went to Singapore. Now, I was actually staying at the 
Sentosa Shangri-La Resort, which is where the first case um, occurred in Singapore. And I was getting a little bit worried. And then you get a cough and I was like, oh, no, this could be bad. Yeah. Um, but got the all clear. It was just the flu. And then I've recently been really lucky to travel um, with the internship I'm doing. So I went to Thailand and Malaysia and both times the uh, golf tournament's been cancelled and we've had to come home because of it. Mm. So it's, um, there is positives though. Every flight I've had, I've got to lie down because there's no one on the plane. Which is oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yes. I had the same opportunity as well, coming home as well. So, And uh, wh- what are the media saying over there? Is, are they just saying to be careful, prevention, you know, try and use a mask? And yeah, What well, are you hearing over there? Yeah, so pretty much in Singapore, they've gone to a code orange, which is pretty much one below stay indoors sort of thing. Um, right. But at every place you go to, pretty much, they've got people out the front with um, thermometers taking your temperature, most places give you a sticker to say that, yes, you've been tested and you're okay to be in the facility. And that's in every club, restaurant, bar, golf club, wherever you go pretty much in Singapore. Um, they've got thermal scanners or people using thermometers to check to make sure you're all good to hopefully control it and stop the spread. Um, yeah, that's that's great. And the same thing for when I come home as well. Uh, when I went to the Shanghai airport, they told me uh, they were telling people to wear a mask, put on a mask, and the temperature as well. And obviously, when I got to Australia as well, I was the first person off the off the flight from Australia, and they took me straight to uh, two doctors, and they you know asked me all these questions and sort of got me up to date with where they are here in Australia. Obviously, uh, luckily enough, I had no symptoms, and they allowed me to continue. But my sister works in childcare, so I wasn't allowed to see her for two weeks. Bit of quarantine, but you know, doing it the safe, safe and safe and proper way. So let's hopefully it goes away because it's affecting uh, not only businesses over there, but you know, sporting events. Uh, I've got tickets for Green Day in Hong Kong in March, and I don't think that's going to happen either. So, um, uh, yeah, so... The Olympics is the big one. Um, Yeah. If if that gets cancelled, it could be the first ever Olympics that's played with no spectators. But who knows? Yeah, well, I was in in Vietnam when they had the the bird flu, and uh, that was uh, pretty scary as well, but uh, this has just overtaken uh, all of them. So let's let's hope this goes away very, very soon. So let, let's go back. Let's let's talk about your family. Uh, you you seem like you have a very very lots of sporting sporting background. Tell us about your parents. Were your parents uh, first grade? Did they play uh, sport? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll be honest. I come from a, a tiny bit of a strange family in a way. Um, so yeah, my mum's quite young. I'm 21, and my mum's 40. So that's a different um thing that I have in compared to most of my friends. But um. Yeah, so a bit of a strange story. I haven't seen my dad in quite a long time. I think I've only seen him about once in the last oh, 10 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously split up when we're younger, but I have an extremely close relationship with my mum and my sister. So when oh. I'm in Australia, I still live at home and, and mum does the washing and stuff it's like that. So <laughs> I'm very lucky. But um, yeah, so my mum and dad, they're both into sport. Uh, also my nan. My nan's the big footballer. She's actually passed away now, but she... I was a big Broncos and unfortunately a Maroons supporter. So oh. I, I didn't get to see the Blues win too many times when she was here. Yeah. Um, but, but if she was still here, I'd definitely be giving her some phone calls after the last two years. <laughs> she must have uh, been their good luck charm, yeah, because they had a huge run there, like seven, what was it? What was the, what was the record? Was it nine? Eight or nine years. Yeah. I can't remember. That was just amazing, that team, though. Like, I look back now and you think, I was pretty lucky to see like Thurston and Slater and Inglis, and we can still see Smith all at the yeah. same time. It's pretty unreal. Yeah, I can remember going up to Queensland a couple of times and uh, wearing a New South Wales jersey, and uh, there were some very, very tough times there. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling because I was like very young when I went to Suncorp, and they still boo you. They don't care if you're 10 years old. Yeah. But the, the, good, the good thing about it, I, I, I noticed, was that or banter and, and uh, you know, ripping each other off. But at the end of the day, it's just a bit of fun and it's such a good vibe and atmosphere, like the whole Caxton Street and, and the Caxton pub. It's such a good atmosphere up there. I recommend anybody to to go up there and experience, experience that. 
So yeah, t- tell us a bit more about your uh, your mother. Did your mother play sport, or was she? Interested? Um, yeah. So my mum, I'm pretty sure. To be honest, we don't talk about it much, but I know she played netball and was a good swimmer into nippers in the surf club. Um, okay. But pretty much, she now is working childcare. So since she had me, um, 1998, she's been doing family daycare. So we have five kids under five in my house every day. So that's wow. an interesting one. Um, but it's been awesome because. When I come home, you see them all run up to me and they're all excited. But, yeah, it's been really cool. Um, so she does that. And then my sister, she's just uh, graduated high school last year. And, and tomorrow will be her first day at university. So Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. And, yeah, give her a call and wish her good luck. And she, will she do the same thing as you? Will she come to the Newcastle University or will she do something yeah. in the Central Coast? Yeah, she's going to the Newcastle University. She wants to become a teacher. She's sort of in that phase where she's not exactly sure what she wants to do. Mm. Um but obviously we've been around kids our whole life. So, and she's really good with kids and does dancing, teaching and, and coaches touch football teams with me. So she's about to start a teaching degree tomorrow. Oh, that's great. Talk about that. Why, why are the people from the Central Coast, even my cousins, coming to Newcastle University? Why isn't there a decent uh, university at the Central Coast? Are they developing one or is it just a, a better opportunity for Newcastle? Yeah, well, actually, so it's quite lucky. We have a Central Coast campus. So it's in Arimba, and it comes right. under the Newcastle University. So it's just a different campus. So Ooh, for right. Central Coast um, students, it, it's a lot closer to home. Um, unfortunately, I've still got to drive the one-hour one trip up to Newcastle. But for a lot of the courses, like accounting and teaching and, and sports science, you can uh, do it on the Central Coast, which is why it's a, a popular location for students um, on the Central Coast to study there. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. Uh, you're from Edelong Beach, is that is that correct? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Edelong, your minor. We call it the peninsula, so yeah. Woi Woi is probably the one that, that people know the most because of the name. Okay, so so tell me about that because for international uh, listeners, uh, they probably don't know too much about the Central Coast area. It's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, um, if you want to take a holiday, if you're going to Sydney or Newcastle, yeah, you definitely need to stop into the Central Coast. So tell us a bit about... Central Coast and where you yeah, grew well, up. Yeah, I've grown up there my whole life. So the Central Coast to me is the best place in the world. Um, <laughs> it's 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 really good as a as a young person because I can go to Sydney for work and the hustle and bustle of the city life. But then just an hour's drive away, you're you're in an area where you know the local o- uh, shop owners. You can stop and say hello to everyone. Um, you yeah. sort of you're part of a community and everyone knows everyone, which is it's a good thing, but also can be a bad thing, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Central Coast, look, the beaches, you've pretty much got your own Bondi Beach because there's no one else on the beach. And that's the way I put it. Right. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's the best of both worlds. So, so tell me about, about that. Like, you have the Central Coast Mariners. Why don't they have a Central Coast NRL team? Uh, just, do you think that they'll have one in the future? I mean, they've had that stadium there for a long time now. It's great for the locals. Do you think that there should be an NRL team there eventually? Look, I would, I would love there to be. However, I just don't, I don't see it happening. I think with the mm. amount of juniors coming through, rugby league sort of is dying. Although people don't want to admit it, um, I don't think that it, it will be viable. Um, the stadium is unreal. It, it's definitely underutilized. We need to get more games. Yes. There. Every time there is a game, it's packed out. So last year yes. we had the Souths versus Melbourne, and my friend actually made his debut, Nico Hines. So. Um, in chance with um, getting a bench spot this year with the Storm and any injuries to Pappenhausen or Hughes, he'll be slotting in there. It was packed stadium and then you had the Sharks and um, Roosters a few years ago was packed. So definitely an underutilised stadium and hopefully they can get more games there. And they've got a trial game there next Saturday, actually. Uh, They've got the Knights playing the Roosters. So this is the last trial game before the, the start of the season. So... I think that it's almost sold out, to be fair. So I, I can see that, like, taking the games there. I know Manly take it there, and the Roosters take it there, and the Knights will play there as well. Let's let's just see. I mean, they're, they're trying to expand out, like, to other, other sort of states, I think. Maybe another team in Brisbane, maybe Western Australia. They're having the, the state of origin in South Australia this year. So good for expansion, but... Let's just see how it goes. Actually, are you a football fan? Yeah, I'm pretty much a sports nerd. That's why I class myself. I watch every okay. sport from, from darts to curling to snooker. 
Oh wow! So so tell us about the the Mariners then. Um, I've come oh. back. A, a bit of a rivalry between uh, myself and my cousins uh, in the Central Coast. Um, we're always sort of. You know, uh, at Christmas or at Easter, we're always talking about, you know, who, who's ahead. And I found out that uh, the Jets are coming last and Central Coast are coming second last. Is that right? <laughs> that, that sounds about right. To be honest, in the last <laughs> few years, I haven't watched much of the Mariners because it's not really uh, that interesting or, or good to watch as a Mariners supporter. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just simply because of financial reasons. Like, you look at the Socceroos team, and nearly all of them have played for the Mariners, but we just simply can't keep the good players there. They then yes. end up going to Sydney FC or Melbourne City or move overseas. Like Matt Ryan, Mille Jedna, Tommy Rodjick, Mustafa Amini, all of these players have played for the Mariners, um, but we just can't keep the talent there. Well, speaking of talent, didn't they sign Usain Bolt? Us- yeah, we sure did. And that actually, <laughs> I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I'd say that was the biggest thing the Mariners, like ever happened to the Mariners because... They had 18,000 people at a match at Central Coast Stadium against a, a Central Coast Premier League 11 side just to watch Usain Bolt, and it was raining. Wow. Um, I've actually, my friend's dad, he is a groundskeeper at their training ground, and he said the highlight of his life was when Usain Bolt finally called him by his first name, Jared. <laughs> wow, that's great. Was he even a good soccer player? Obviously, he had some talent there if, if the Mariners signed it, or was it a bit of a, a publicity stunt? Oh, I think it was a bit of a gimmick, to be honest. Like, he did yeah. score two goals and oh, he did had a good, uh, good boot on him, but yeah. I think it's a bit different agility speed rather than straight speed. Yes, yes, agreed, agreed. Then you went to, and I've noticed on, online that you played a bit of touch football as well. Are you still involved in touch football? Yeah, touch football was a big part of my childhood, definitely. So I, um, I'm still involved with the Peninsula Touch Football Club. So I coach some junior teams. Unfortunately, uh, not this year because I'm away. Um, I like to give back because they've done a lot for me. So getting out there, helping the kids and, and teaching them everything I know. And then, yeah, we played. I play still. Um, we actually won the State Cup uh, last year, which is held in Port Macquarie, which was really good in my final year of under-20s. All right. Um, but it's sort of more now, it's more just a fun thing rather than uh, playing representative and, and hunter in New South Wales region. It's more of just to get out with my mates on a Wednesday night and have a throw around at the footy. And is, it, is this something you want to take over there? I know you've got lots of experience here with touch football. Maybe not as popular in Asia. Is that something that you would like to do over there? Yeah, definitely. Well, I've actually I attended a, um, in China. I went and played touch football a few times, which was great to see. Um, people getting exposure to the game and even just getting a, a footy in hand. A lot of them um, sort of from a rugby union background or, or some had never never played with a rugby ball as such. Singapore, I know they've got, uh, they attended the World Cup last year in Malaysia. And mm, I think that's great. Touch football is a growing sport because it removes the contact um, that rugby league or rugby union or so on has. Yes. So it allows older people to play, it allows younger people to play. And it's great for fitness because you're constantly running, which is a problem for me now because I'm not as fit as what I used to be. That's right. And I think it's good for the kids. I mean, uh, you know, some of the kids are sort of going towards the computers and PlayStation and not sort of having like physical fitness as a part of their lifestyle. The more promotion, the better. And I think sometimes the kids and the parents are a little scared, like to play rugby league, contact sport, you know, with all the injuries that they have. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's, you know, another good reason for touch football? Yeah, I I definitely think so. Like someone explained this example to me, and I'll quickly run through it, as to why Mm. the NRL uh, participation is down and why kids aren't playing it. So he said to me, he was like, if you put it on a spectrum, at one end, you've got golf and tennis and the sort of non-contact sports. And then at the other end, you've got stuff like martial arts, the UFC. So the UFC, as we know, is like the fastest growing um, sporting industry. So I think he said to me from 2001, it was a $2 million industry to now it's a billion dollar industry. Wow. And Which is insane. And he was saying that, so the NRL used to be back when we had the shoulder charge and the biff and so on. It was sort of to the, the top end of this um, spectrum yeah. scale. But then because of all the rules and the changes they're implementing, it's sort of coming back to the middle. Yeah. But what, but what that does, it, it's sort of, it, it's not good for fans like myself that like the rust and buff sort of 
um, side of football. But then there's people like my auntie as such that still thinks the game is too um, uh, too much contact, too dangerous. So you're yeah, actually right. not pleasing anyone. You're not pleasing the mums we're trying to please. So they're not getting their kids involved. They're still going to soccer or tennis. But then you're annoying the true blue rugby fans that want to see the big hits and the and the sort of competitiveness like people like Michael Ennis and Dylan Nupper provide. Yeah, I I agree. Like, if you've seen the Biffo, if you like the whole bring back the Biff Red Dragon, he always said play hard but play fair. And having the occasional you know punch, you know, it shows that they're competitive and they want to win. I see yeah. with some some of some of the the modern day players, it's like, okay, whatever, you, you know. It's that's uh, I, I saw that in some of the knights knights teams uh, it, before, you know, they're just turning up to play, and it's like, mm. but before yeah. it was like, man, I'm going out there, I want to smash them, and I, I want to win. So, yeah, I think I yeah. Just, I think- you're exactly right. And you see him you see him when the Bulldogs they've just lost by forty and they're there hugging the other team and smiling and, and a fan you're going home with your head down. So it's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the thing, yeah, you're seeing lots of lots of that uh, in the modern game where at the end of the game they're hugging each other and they're smiling and they're laughing, which is great, but for a passionate fan, you know. And then there's all that, that that sort of like betting involved as well. Like so, anyway, it, it can cause a yeah some some major issues with the rugby league. But I'm gonna still hopefully I'll, I'll be staying here a bit longer in Australia so I can see some some more games. All right. So so speaking of NRL, your favorite team is yes. The- a bit unfortunate to say, but I go for the Bulldogs. Have ever since. Uh, 2004. I think I I love Willie Mason's Afro so much. Oh, big um, Willie! Yeah, that's it. So my family's despair. I um changed from Souths to the Bulldogs and have been with them ever since. So, and and how do you think they will go this year? How, how, looking at their squad, um, they've had some tough times the, the last couple of seasons. Um, is it up upwards for this year? Do you think? Um, well, I can't really go backwards, but I think. Personally, I don't think we're in with a chance. It's sort of a rebuilding phase, um, giving people experience. And I think we're struggling with, with getting players for the right price. Um, we missed out on the Chaboyevic brothers and a few others. We're paying Kieran Foran a lot of money and he's always injured. So hopefully our new additions like uh, Dean Britt and Joe Stimson can make it. Mm. And um, unfortunately, last night in the All-Stars match, we had a few injuries. So Chris Smith with the ACL and then Darwin oh, back. So... I don't think Dean Pay would have been a happy man last night, like most Bulldogs fans. Now, with Kieran Foran, the Bulldogs spent a ton of money on Foran. Is he ready for this season? And if 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 not, then what are what are they going to do with the salary cap? In your opinion? Yeah, well, I don't know. I've, I don't think he is ready. Um, I'm actually friends with Jack Cogger. He's a uni mate of mine, so I've All right. talked to him a little bit about it. And he's obviously in contention for one of the positions, but. I think, yeah, we've just got to do our best, give people a shot um, and hopefully improve. And, and I think our defence is solid enough to win us a few games. So if we can get our attack going, let's hope we can be a smoky this year. Yeah, awesome. And from what I saw last year, they showed some really good signs, like the back, the back sort of quarter of the season. You know, it's all, all good for uh, the fans, I think. I think they'll be a smoky as well. So good luck to them. Yeah, so... A bachelor, uh, business and commerce. Yes, I'm still doing that. I'm in my final year, so I've got two subjects left, um, and, th- and then I'll be done that. So um, it was great. So, I also got to study in China as well, which was an awesome experience. So what was that like, having to, to drive? You said that you're still living at the Central Coast. It must yeah. be very difficult to do that, be driving to Newcastle to do your studies. It was. was, It's actually, I sort of look back on what I did when I left school and and sort of think I was a bit crazy. So I actually, I did an internship when I left school with Jack Newton Junior Golf. So they're a golfing organization that looks after juniors in New South Wales. And for the listeners, and for the listeners, Jack, can you just tell them about uh, Jack Newton? Yes. All righty. So Jack Newton, he's um, from actually Newcastle and he was a a famous golfer, um, come second at the Masters and unfortunately... In an accident, he lost his arm in a helicopter accident. 
So he obviously couldn't play uh, professionally anymore. He still gets out there and, and he's pretty good actually um, with the one arm, but he focused on juniors and trying to promote the game. He's done a great job. Um, the Jackie and Junior Golf Program has been awesome. It gives people the opportunity to get out, play different courses. And actually, whilst we're speaking, Stephanie Kiriaku, who's one of the prodigies from the Jackie and Junior Golf Foundation, she's got a 10-stroke lead in the Australian Ladies Classic to hope for. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's, I think she's 18 years old. And if she wins, which I'm, I hope she does, uh, she'll get a European tour card and turn professional tomorrow, I'd say. Oh, that's fantastic news. Wow. Yeah, that's... So, yeah. But That's I, great. They're based in Arncliffe near the airport in Sydney. So what I'd do, my typical day would be get up at 4, leave at 4.15. I'd go to work till about 1. Then I'd drive back two and a half hours to university in Newcastle, study, then drive back to Pizza Hut, work at Pizza Hut as a manager to get money to then pay for petrol to go again the next day. So wow. it, was, it was a busy time. I was going to bring that up also. I've got some conflict ends here. It says Eagle Boys Pizza, and then also it says Pizza Hut. Yeah, so actually that's a funny one. So I started off at Eagle Boys uh, when I was 14. So my, my friend's brother gave me the job there. Yes. And then it actually, um, they sort of didn't go bankrupt, but sort of um, went into liquidation. So Pizza Hut bought out pretty much Eagle Boys. So we changed from within three days, we went from Eagle Boys to Pizza Hut. So nice. I ended up... Um, working at both and then and I actually have a few friends that work at Domino's so we've got a little bit of a rivalry there. So do you think that they give you, gave you that sort of uh, work ethic work, working for a, play, a place like Pizza Hut? Most definitely I think mm. like I, I love talking to people so for me fast food is really cool and I think that I was a manager at quite a young age so I had to learn how to deal with people and problems and and customers which can be can be a challenge at some times but I definitely think fast food is something that can teach you work ethic and the importance of doing things fast and efficiently. Um, and yeah. I, I still, to this day, use things that I learned at Pizza Hut in my new um, jobs. Do you have any? Do you have a, a story about what, a bad experience at Pizza Hut? <laughs> I've got a funny one actually. So, long story short, we had an order late at night, uh, and they never come to pick it up. So it's on top of the oven. It was a meat lovers pizza. And I was there with two of my mates and they said to me, Jack, do you reckon we can eat that pizza? Because we locked up and everything. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Just eat it. So we're at the back. We're having something to eat. And then I hear this knock, knock, knock. Now, all the doors are locked and you can't really hear a knock. And I look up and there's a guy that's moved the auto bin. He stood on top of that and he's looking out up on top of the window. And he looks in and he goes, hey, you're eating my pizza. Um, <laughs> So we sort of laughed, opened up the door, and, and he took Harvey's pizza home, and he was happy. I think he'd had a big night. So, <laughs> But no, it, it was pretty funny because he just looks in, and we're there scoffing our faces eating his pizza. The, the, doing any sort of takeaway late at night, I don't know what money they're on, but they deserve gold medals. The people that they have to deal with, the people that are drunk, <laughs> coming for a, a very, very late feed, that's just crazy. Yeah, that's so, so then, so then you got the Colombo scholarship uh, with yeah. the Australian government. Uh, this is a huge achievement. Uh, are you the first? Did, did I read that you were the first person? Um, one of the first people from the Central Coast to get it. Yeah, so there's a right. lot of people that um, get it, but pretty much it, it's a great initiative, and, and I would highly recommend anyone that's um, wanting to do something like this to definitely look into it. Um, so I'll give you a, a background of what it is. It's, yes, it's a government scholarship that they provide to young Australians and it's in the attempt to sort of bring Australia closer to the Asia-Pacific region. Obviously, um, there's a lot of Asians in Australia. We're doing a lot of business with Asian countries. So they provide you with the ability to go overseas and work, study and learn a language. So I was in Shanghai when I met you actually studying how to speak Mandarin, which is... Um, is really interesting and, and cool for a boy that's never learned a language before. Um, he <laughs> speaks English very well. So how, is it, how is your Mandarin going, by the way? Oh, uh, so <laughs> I, said, I can only speak a little bit of Chinese. Yes. But I can, I can order food and play sport with doing it, so that's the important part. 
Hey, you get you get the priorities right. That uh, I'm the same. I've been there for three and a half years, and I only know the survival Chinese. You know, Pijo, Baijo, Hangzhou. Shanghai Xiaolongbao. Correct. Yes. So sorry. Continue. Yeah. So pretty much that's what it does. So I was very lucky. You have to. It's a long process. Um, it, it goes on your university marks first of all, uh, and then what you do in the community and the leadership that you've um, shown. So I was very lucky that I was school captain uh, in my final year at school and have done some uh, things at Anzac Day service and coach sporting teams. And long story short, you have a few interviews and I got flown down to uh, Parliament House in Canberra and you got an interview there in front of six people, which, which as a 19-year-old is pretty confronting and pretty nerve-wracking. There's a little typewriter in the corner that's writing everything you say. How, um, did, you pre- how did you prepare for that, something like that? That's just like... Uh, insane yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's knowing why you want to do it i think yes. um, and knowing uh what benefits this will give you and how you can help that improve australia really um and, and an aspect i went i was quite lucky because a lot of the scholars are highly academic whereas uh, yeah i do study a lot but i'm a i'm a look, i love sports so on i think if i threw a tennis ball to a lot of these scholars they wouldn't be able to catch it <laughs> I, went the, I went the sporting route so i sort of i wanted to see realistically how China we, we obviously see a lot of videos and things that we think happen in China in regards to the way they treat their athletes and gymnasts and all that type of thing yeah. and I wanted to go over there and actually firsthand experience how junior sport works how are they training their children so that they achieve these results at the Olympics that they are like they're winning medals in swimming when typically Chinese people aren't good swimmers and I was just wondering what they do to improve how they get kids active um, so that hopefully we can do that in Australia because I feel that as you said previously uh, a lot of kids aren't getting out and playing sport I know that we were always out playing cricket on the road yeah of course with, with, yeah. with the auto bins or down the oval and as soon as the street lights come on you've got to go home but you don't see that anymore and I think um, our larrikin nature when it comes to sport definitely worked in the past but with how professional it's becoming there's people have more access to sports I think Australia, we sort of have to look at it and think, well, how can we improve? Uh, yeah. How can we achieve? I know that um, at the Rio Olympics, I think there was like a figure where we paid $11,400,000 something dollars just for one medal at the Olympics, mm-hmm. um, which is a big spend sort of thing. So hopefully we can improve and get kids active and get them out there playing sport, which will then result in more international sporting success. Yeah. And you talked about that. So tell me your first impressions before you went to China, an impression of China now that you've been there for a while. Yeah, well, well, first of all, when I went to China, I couldn't use chopsticks. I couldn't <laughs> say any word. Like, I literally was very raw, didn't know anything. And obviously, you see in the media all the, the pollution in the air and the busyness and all that type of thing. But I thoroughly enjoyed China and I'd go back and live there. Um, yeah. I sort of, I got the bug. I think it's great to be able to meet different people, to experience a different culture. Um, everything's so efficient. You get delivery in two minutes. There's yes. um, cheap food. Like it doesn't get better. Um, so well, I thoroughly enjoyed China and I'd definitely go back. And I think it's a great thing. Even if you sort of, I never wanted to go to China as such when I was younger. It was always Europe or America. But I think after being there, you can get a real a real insight into the way that Chinese people live. And, I, and hopefully that will help me when I move back to Australia in the future, sort of remove the divide in sport, because there still is that divide where, uh, in particular, Asian nations, parents and, and players stay together. Yes. Um, and hopefully by giving more Australians an understanding of why they do things, why they act like the way they do, it, it gives us... Um, the ability to make it easier for them in Australia and, and hopefully bring everyone closer together. I think this is just a great uh, initiative. I, I really do because I, I did this without this sort of sporting scholarship. I, I did. Uh, I did my. I got my license as a um, an English teacher. Went over there, and my first job was like it was an online company, but. Uh, because I was living there, they'd get their one one time, they'd get an online class, and then I would actually go and visit the schools. So for nearly two years, I would travel all over China, and not just the big cities, it was the rural cities. And 
my mind was just blown away at just the experience that I had to go to all these different uh, parts of China and to taste all their food, to see how they how they live. Like it's just it was just an amazing experience. So I'm a bit like yourself, where I had all these sort of uh, preconceived ideas of what China was going to be like. I thought it was going to be more traditional. I thought it was going to be more strict. But you go over there, and to, especially to a place like Shanghai, it's just a modern city. It's very multicultural. Like you said, people complain that, oh, you know, it's polluted. Well, of course, there's 25 million people, the same population yeah. of Australia. Of course, they're gonna. It's going to be polluted. People are going to want to be warm, and you know they're going to use a lot of electricity and power. Yeah, I have a totally different look on it, and I can see that from an outside now and an insider. Um, I've been there for three and a half years, so I can definitely see why what you're doing now is such a great a, a great initiative. And I really do hope that more Australian people go over there and experience what we're both done yeah definitely i couldn't agree more and i'm sort of in singapore now which is the best of both worlds i think it's very similar to australia um it's got similar things to china and it's just in the middle um so uh, and all asian countries are different so i've definitely got a new appreciation for asia and asian countries yeah definitely so your your main sport is golf i, w- I would assume uh, um Oh, to be honest, I don't really have a main sport. Look, rugby league's my favourite, that's for sure. But okay. yeah, golf, golf, touch football and tennis are probably the three big ones. But um, I'm actually interning at the moment with the Royal and Ancient. So they wow. pretty much, it's, it's a pretty much a dream come true. Like I've always wanted to do something like this. And um, for it to happen when I'm 21, I'm, I'm extremely grateful and thankful to everyone that's helped me get here. Uh, so you told me you told me at the bar that you have had experiences with Justin Rose as well. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so just recently, um, pretty much the first day on the job was the SMBC Singapore Open. So I was actually, um, I'm interning with the RNA, but they let me work with Lagadier Sports. So Lagadier Sports is a promoter, sort of like IMG, that does big sporting and, and fashion events and so on. And... Oh, look, I, I don't, I'm not rich by any means. I haven't had the chance to be in VIP sections or sort of behind the ropes. I'm usually the keen spectator trying to get the signature. Yes, um, yes. And, and anyway, so I was doing things like holding the claret jug. Um, I was shuttling the professionals, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, to and from the tee, talking to them about the fires in Australia. And, and these wow. folks I've looked up to, like they're gold medalists and open champions and, and, uh, it was pretty surreal to sort of sit there and I was I was kicking myself thinking, is this actually happening? I, I didn't know whether I should ask for a selfie because it's my first day on the job <laughs> or do I, do I just act professional and come on, you could get a photo later. But yeah, so it's, been, you, it's been really cool. So with that, uh, do you think that you, you've gotten better at that? Like instead of being like the fanboy, which I'm sure you will and, and I will be forever, you know, you see like a professional athlete that you've watched all your life and you finally get to meet them. But do you think that that's changed now, that you're in that sort of role now yourself, that you know, oh, it's comfortable or you still got the <laughs> fanboy? No, no, still still a fanboy, that's for sure. And I know yes. if it was Roger Federer, I'd be a definite fanboy. Oh, right. but, um, but, yeah, no, still a fanboy. And I just sort of, even just walking into the, to the suites and getting free coffee and cake, that excites me. Uh, so... <laughs> Definitely enjoying the perks of um of being able to meet people um of such stature. So speaking of that, who who are the people that you've sort of met along your way in your travels? You you, you talk, talk about Justin Rose, but you said that you've also uh, in rugby league as well. Tell, tell us a couple of people that you that you know in the rugby league NRL. Yeah, well, I've been really lucky. So obviously, I played a lot of sport when I was younger. So. Um, I'm good friends with Nico Hines, Scott Drinkwater, who was a player of the mm. um, Nines tournament last week. How do you think he'll go this year? Because such a talented player, he left the Storm to go to the Cowboys. Where does he fit now that Valent- uh, Valentine Holmes is back from the NFL? Yeah, I think I think he will get the first crack at the job next to Michael Morgan, especially after the Nines performance. And, and when we were younger... He did play in the halves our whole junior career sort of thing. So okay. uh, he moved to fullback later later on in the piece. But he's just so naturally talented. I know that when we played touch football together, pretty much he'd come on in attack 
And then I'd go on for defence and we'd just rotate because he'd just set up all the tries and I'd do the hard work. Right. <laughs> but I, was, so, I wasn't complaining because he did set up a lot of tries. So. Um, we'll just, also, we'll just, we'll just go off on a tangent there, sorry, with, with uh, drink water. I, I actually have him in my super coach team, so let's uh, just hope he gets a few try assists. <laughs> yeah, I think he will. So, well, actually, yeah, so Bradman Best, um, I also have helped him with touch football, and he went to my school, so uh, he's injured at the moment, out for a few weeks. Uh, I've, been very, I've been very lucky. Um, yeah, as I said, Jack Cogger is a friend of mine from university. Um, so it, it's interesting because it's, a lot of my friends now, you're watching them on TV and you're seeing them get interviewed and people are asking for photos when we're out. And it's quite strange, but it's pretty cool. I've, I've become a personal photographer half the time, I think. <laughs> With Jack Cogger, uh, he was tated to, to take over in the halves for the Newcastle Knights. Gets his opportunity at the Bulldogs now. Bulldogs? Yeah, yeah, he's at the Bulldogs now, yeah. So do you think they'll give him another chance? Now, especially with Foran being injured again, um, as far as I know, do you think another season, this time it's, it's time to step up? Yeah, I think he will. We've also got the Wakem uh, boy as well, the other young guy that's pushing for a spot, and, and Lachlan yep. Lewis. So, yeah, I think he will. I hope he does. He's a really really nice guy and a good player, and, and he'll only get better with time. So hopefully he does. And uh, Bradman Best, they're rating him as to be you know the next one of the best superstars for the Knights. The one sort of thing that I've sort of done a bit of research on him is that he may be a little bit injury prone. You could probably yeah. talk a little bit more about that. You, you know him better than me. Yeah, def- definitely injury prone. I think he was one of the kids where I'm a little bit older than him, but he was that monster when we were younger. So I think he's, yeah, right. his, body, his body grew too fast. He was just a, a big boy right from a young age. Um, but yeah, he has had a lot of injury problems but he comes back from them like nothing's happened like he's had a lot of leg problems and shoulder and and he's just as fast as what he ever has been so um he's definitely if he gets on the field fit and healthy he'll be a great player in the future that's for sure hopefully he recovers from this injury and gets back on the team because he's another one that i want one in my super coach team so let's talk about super coach so was it your first year last year in the super coach um second year so i've got a friend from work um and he got me into it. I knew I'd get addicted. So I got addicted the first year. And then, and then yeah, last year was my second year. And I had a, I had a really good year. Um, it takes up a lot of time. And I probably should have focused more on my study. But <laughs> it's so addictive, but Jack. It is. I know that I think it's great for the game because I wouldn't be watching as much NRL um, as I do because of Supercoach. And I, I'm sitting there and you're going, I'm cheering for the Titans players and watching the Titans <laughs> for Raiders. And it, it's crazy. Um, but yeah. yeah, I love it. And it's, it's really cool to verse your mates and have bragging rights. That's right. It's definitely a, a good bragging rights thing. And, and tell me, like, um, I was speaking to Wilfred uh, last month, uh, Wilfred Z, and he was saying that I, I was telling him that I read some articles last year that uh, Phil Gould's come out and said that he doesn't think that Supercoach is, is a, a good thing for the sport. It's sort of tainting yeah. it. I've, I've heard that. I don't understand where he's coming from. I haven't read the article, but to me, it's it's complete opposite. I think it's getting people involved and, and watching rugby league or, or other sports that do it that wouldn't normally be watching it. And, and I yeah, that's know right. the fact that I'm watching that uh, 12, or 12 p.m. or 3 o'clock game on a Saturday between the Warriors and, and, and the Titans simply because <laughs> of super coach. Um, yes. And I think it's great for the game, uh, me personally. And you see how much it's done for the NFL. Um, yeah, definitely. And it just gives you more of an insight. And I think that with rugby league and so on, because of how good technology is these days, it's hard to get to the games because it's so good. So by having another thing to concentrate on and look at when you're watching from home, it just uh, adds another aspect of enjoyment to it. Yes. And, and you were saying that you're in the top 200? Yeah, I, yeah, I went really well last year. I think I can't remember what I ended, but I was definitely yeah top two hundred, one hundred something. I, I got very lucky with some good captain choices and and so on, which was it was a good year. Wow! And uh, you're all ready for this season as well, or you know, with your busy work schedule, how, how do you sort of plan to fit in Supercoach as well? Yeah, I haven't looked too much at the moment, but definitely a lot of the groups I'm in there going buzzing off all day, um, but. I think I'm going to try and go for the 50, 50K this year. I, I've had my top 
200 finish. So I think I'm going to go for a few pods, point of differences. And hopefully <laughs> I'm going for number one. If I was last year, I was just going for top 1000, but I want to win the 50 K. So you've got to take some risks. Now with, now with super coach, are you going to, do you play with your heart or do you play with your brain? I'll, I'll like, play with my brain. Most definitely. I, um, so, so can't no bulldogs up. players. Um, well, at the moment, I don't think there'll be any Bulldogs players. I always like the look of Aiden Tolman just because he, he just runs up and down and makes tackles. But depending on minutes, he'd probably be the only Bulldogs player or Corey Harawira Naira just because of how many offloads he has. He could be a good, um, good buy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. So for the future, like you've got, you had plans for the Tokyo uh, Olympics. So, so tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that as well. Even though the current, you know, is that being officially cancelled or is it still going ahead as normal? Yeah, still going ahead as normal. I think as of now, and I know Japan are putting everything in place to sort of have the Olympics go ahead. But um, I was really lucky. It's, it's. I've sort of realised. Knowing a lot of people and meeting a lot of people can definitely help you. So I actually um, had a teacher in, in school. She wasn't actually my teacher, but she was at my school. And she was a Paralympian. She's won a lot of gold medals for um, Australia in basketball, oh, wow. women's wheelchair basketball and, and sailing. And um, I got in contact with her and then she knew someone and, and went from there. And then I attended a World Sports Leaders Summit in Shanghai when I was there. And I ended up getting to touch the, the FIFA World Cup, which was pretty cool. Wow. Touched it before Ronaldo and Messi, which is my claim to fame. <laughs> um, and, and then I uh, met a, a guy named Tim from the Paralympics Committee in Australia that actually lives on the Central Coast. So uh, he helped me out a lot as well. So, yeah, it's been really cool. But unfortunately, because of the coronavirus and, and, and other things, uh, I won't get the chance to go. But hopefully in the future. Like, like keeping on this, uh, does this involve the Para, Paralympics? Uh, do you, are you involved in that or are you just in the normal normal Olympics? Will you be involved uh, in that? Well, I was going to be involved uh, involved in both, but now um, obviously not either. So I'm just um, trying to take as many experiences as I can and, and do as many things whilst I'm young to hopefully um, help me in my future career. Right, right. So with being in China... I've got a ton of stories and they'll eventually come out on all these podcasts, but do you have uh, like a story that you've had experience like you know, <laughs> with food or the language or you've been stuck in a certain situation? Yeah. I've actually got a, it's a really cool one and a lot of people are jealous. So uh, long story short, uh, it was one of those. No, calls. long story, long story, long story. Okay, on, okay. So I was in um, Hong Kong. Now, okay. unfortunately, when I got there, it was the day they banned the face mask which, which oh. caused a lot of riots and so on. But what happened was we're in a lift and I just get talking to this um, Chinese guy next to me. And I sort of asked him, I was there with a, a Spaniard named Albert and a, a Belgian named PJ, uh, two friends I met on exchange. And I asked them, I said, hi, um, we, it's our first night in Hong Kong. Do you re- recommend any clubs? And he goes, looks at his friends and he's like, well, why don't you just come with us? So being 20 and 21-year-old blokes, we sort of look at each other and go, oh, why not? So we end up heading out with these um, guys in Hong Kong and we get to a rooftop bar and, and all these drinks start coming out and, and it's roped off and then we find out that he's a, a, quite, a, quite a wealthy man involved in the music industry. And long story short, the next day, we're in Macau partying with Nelly. Um, we're seeing Steve Aoki, Martin oh, Garrix, all in private booths as as 20-year-olds, um, wow. and it, it, yeah, it's a bit bad to say, but I ended up wearing the same clothes for three days in Macau because we were, <laughs> going, for, we were going for one day, and we ended up being there for three. So <laughs> it's, um, it was an awesome experience, and yeah, wow. so it was, my friends were very jealous when I was sending them the, the videos on Instagram yeah. <laughs> next to Steve Aoki and, and getting photos with Nelly and, and other people. Wow, so. that is amazing. So you've got to be in the right place at the right time, though, Jay, yeah. you know? I mean, to, you ask, exactly. You ask the question. Because if he didn't do the pee in the toilet a minute earlier, we would have been in a different lift. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. And what did you think of Macau? Tell me about that. It's a little, I know you had only three days there, but a bit of a, bend, bit of a bender. But what did you think of Macau? Like, what's um, it, look, what's I, I, I definitely had an unrealistic um, experience in Macau. I think that me personally, 
if you don't have a lot of money, Macau probably isn't worth the visit um, yeah. sort of thing because um, it is heavily based on the casinos and, and the party yeah. sort of lifestyle. So, yeah, if you have money, I think it'd be really enjoyable, sort of probably like Vegas. I've never been, but I'm assuming with the more money, the funnier you have, a funner time you have. Yeah. Um, but, but Hong Kong, um, if, it, if it's all safe, definitely a great place to visit. It's got a really cool vibe and uh, a yeah, really good, good place. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've been to Hong Kong, you've been to Macau, you've been to China. So uh, where else have you been uh, since yeah. you've been in Asia? Um, Thailand. So I was, the last two weeks I've been in Thailand and Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then potentially heading to, it's a bit of an odd one, but Bangladesh in two months' time. I never mm-hmm. thought I'd say I'd go there. Interesting. Is that for business or is that a, like just a holiday? Yeah, that's part of uh, my internship. They're going to send me there for a, a golfing um, tournament and rules seminar. So, so is is that popular there? I mean, I know that they've got a, an international cricket team there, but is yeah. golf popular? I actually don't know, to be honest. I don't think it is, from what I can tell. But hopefully, um, that's a part of what the RNA do. They're trying to grow the game in, in around the world and, and especially in Asia. So if we can get in there and give people resources and access and knowledge about the game. Uh, hopefully we can we can see an expansion so that well the Bangladesh just won the um, under 19s cricket world cup so oh there you go definitely talented yeah. people in, in the country and speaking of that are you a cricket fan as well we yeah love all love all sport definitely a cricket fan yeah. I love to sit yeah. there and watch the test match yeah so I didn't see much of the the cricket obviously being in China so I'm just seeing replays now on Fox uh, at home. They absolutely smashed New Zealand. <laughs> oh, that was impressive. I, it was unreal. We're sort of back to the good old days when I was younger because if David Warner gets out, it's okay because Lavashane comes in. And then if he gets out, it's okay because Smith comes in. And then it just goes down the line. And, and if our batters are performing, our bowlers are just they're first class. They're, they're the best yeah. in the world. So um, When they're fit, it, yeah, it's that's pretty true. hard to... Even if they're not, we if someone like Hazelwood gets injured, you just bring in James Pattinson. So yes, yes, it's, it's a good problem to have. And and speaking of that, did you have like a favorite player growing up, like uh, with rugby league and, and with cricket? Tell me yeah, so well, oh, well, my favorite sportsman is definitely Roger Federer. So he's the big okay. one. He's my man crush. Um, <laughs> when it comes to cricket, I oh, probably couldn't go past Ricky Ponting. He's, he's my generation. So. Yes. Ricky Ponting's the man. He had the games on PlayStation and so on. And then <laughs> for rugby league, I'm a Billy Slater fan. Even though he's a Queenslander and plays for Melbourne, I, I really like Billy Slater. Yeah, right. That, that's pretty, that's hard. Not to, not too many players uh, in fullback better than Billy Slater. Um, yeah, change so the game. Change the game. Yeah. And, and same with Federer as well. And he, he still continues to to play very, very good. Like Again, I haven't seen the tennis recently, but uh, he won it in Australia. Was it two yeah, years Yeah, well, um, two years ago, he won two in a row. So he come back from injury uh-huh. and then he won the Australian Open two years in a row. Um, and and well, it's funny because he, he made the semifinals of this year's uh, Australian Open and lost to Novak Djokovic. And it's sort of it's sort of a failure, which we've got to look at it. Like, he's still making the semifinals, 38 years old. Like, um, I think that's pretty impressive. It's 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 definitely hard, though, for me to keep um, saying that he's the greatest of all time when Novak Djokovic and Nadal just keep winning. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, like, everybody talks about age, but he's, he's such a an athlete. Like, uh, age shouldn't be really a difference if he's still physically fit. Like, 38 is still considered you know look at him he's just pl- playing people half his age and, and still being super competitive so just goes to show and and finally uh we've got we've, we've got tennis we've got do you think that there's like a saturation like we we're talking before with like with the rugby league but what about cricket as well i remember watching it it was huge it was like you play rugby league in in the winter and then uh cricket in the summer the test matches and the one day is you're so psyched. You know who's going to come out and play Australia this year? The summer of cricket. Now it doesn't. I don't know if it feels. It just doesn't feel like it used to be. Do you have an opinion on that with cricket as well? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're exactly right. Like I know I, I'm only 21, and it wasn't long ago that I was playing backyard cricket or on the road with the auto bin, and the car comes and you move it off. 
Yeah. Um, but, but, but we were always out there. And I think it's definitely it's definitely that. There's less people playing it. I think free-to-air TV has a big part in that. If you're not playing the, the lead-up games to these test matches, cricket's not in people's mind. And then it, it comes up to them all of a sudden it's on. And, yeah, I think that it's just people have so much access to different sports now and people are so busy that sitting down and watching cricket for such a long time or whatever sport it is can become difficult. And and I don't know if this is a reason, but I think a lot of players now are worried about the media and the perception that they um, people perceive them in. So they're sort of – it's hard to really get to know these sportsmen because they're worried about making a mistake or saying something yes, they're not allowed. You, you don't yes. get the people, the larrikins, and, and really getting to know the players like we used to. Um, yes. At the end of the day, they're still still everyday humans and everyday Australians. So it'd be good to sort of have them in more of a, a natural state rather than such robotic answers and always having to say what people want them to say. Agreed, agreed. You know, you miss the warnies, you know, the, the, the people. You can't do that anymore. You do, like Everybody's got mobile phones where they can record something, you know, and then they're on the media and... You know they'll misconceive what 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 was said, and then they'll print it. And you know it, it happened before, but in the sort of modern day of cricket and sport in general, it's got to that stage where yeah, you can't do anything. You can't pick your nose without <laughs> having someone take a photo and put it on Instagram or, or something like that. So hopefully in the future, like you said, um, with rugby league, I hope they can can sort of. Uh, pick up the good things uh, like the super coach and, and just you know whatever's working for them and 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 grow it and I think uh, in the modern game with the 2020 I think that's yeah. I mean a lot of people a lot of the traditionalists were oh it's a hit and giggle look at it now like that 2020 bash everybody I know all my friends wanted to sit down and watch the the final do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, I'm one of those traditionalists. I love the, the test match and I love the five-set tennis and so on. But I think you need these type of formats in sports to get people that, that aren't as big a sport fans as us um, getting involved and, and watching. And, and it's just a party atmosphere. That's what you want. It's an experience that people can remember. Um, so I think the more interactive and enjoyable the experience is, uh, the more people that are going to be involved. Exactly, exactly. All right, wrap it up, Jack. Um, one last question. So where does the future hold for Jack's deed? Yeah, uh, it's a tough one, to be honest. I Look, I don't know exactly what I want to do. Um, yes. All I know that is I definitely want to make my mum and sister proud, and I think that no matter what I do, I want to work my hardest at it and make my way to the top. Um, so That's I'm sort of really... I'm open to all different experiences. I want to continue to uh, gain new experience and new um, knowledge, um, continue learning Mandarin. So hopefully that opens some um, avenues and doors. But preferably, uh, I'd like to be in sport, in a management position, um, in a big global organisation. That's that's probably the end goal. But at the moment, it's just um, doing my best, meeting as many people and creating as many cool memories as I can whilst I'm young and see what happens so getting those contacts yeah just... it's very important that, that is true i've noticed that yeah. and, and, and like i said I, I met you in the bar in shanghai i mean what are the odds of having two people that live like <laughs> less than 100 <laughs> kilometers away from each other um in, in shanghai it's just a crazy world we live in all right, Jack. Uh, finally, is there, are there anything that you want to promote? Any any sort of websites or uh, any upcoming events that you want to promote on the podcast? No, not that I think of. Yeah, I'd just like to say thanks very much for having me on. It's been awesome. I haven't done something like this. It's been really cool to talk about interesting topics and, and what I've been doing. And, yeah, other than that, just thank everyone that's helped me get to where I am and people like yourself that have given me this opportunity and making my – uh, time in China and, and away from my family and friends much more enjoyable. So no. that, I look forward to the footy season kicking off and, and come and on from here. All right, and good luck to your Bulldogs too, mate. Good, I think I'm I'm cheering my Knights as well. Um, I think we're we're going to be sort of similar to the the Bulldogs. I think we're we're, we're roughies, but I like our chances. We'll yeah, see how we we'll go. Yeah, I think with Caelan Ponger and Mitchell Pierce. Um, yeah, We're always a chance. I think the Knights are in for a, definitely a top eight team this year. And, and with 
teams like the Storm and the Roosters losing a few players, I think they're going to sort of come back to the playing field a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think the Knights are in with a good chance if they get on a bit of momentum. All right, Jack. Great to talk to you today and uh, come, up, come back on again anytime you want, mate. Thanks heaps for having me, Craig. And yeah, I hope everyone enjoys the listen. Yeah, no worries, Jack. Thanks for your time. Cheers. See you, Craig. Okay, bye-bye.